Hi, Michael. Hi, Sasha. Hello. How are you? Yeah, I'm fine, thanks. And you? Good, thanks. Are you ready for our call? Yeah, sure. It's perfect. So maybe just talk me through what happened and the feedback, and we can take it from there. How does that sound? Okay. That's, that's a good idea. So uh, I had these three interviews, and uh, I would say that my performance had a spike with the second guy, and uh, the, the third one was the really not so good. Mm -hmm. So with the first one, uh, he was the youngest partner among three. Mm -hmm. uh, he, at the beginning, I think he was taking me as a, someone with only analytical capacities and not the relationship uh, and human capacities. Mm -hmm. So I had, he made me this remark. I had to give him the illustrations that actually I'm rather good in in relationships and I'm really a good mixer with people and so on. And he gave me an advice to insist on this side for the next two interviews. Very good, okay. So, yeah, so basically I think that the fact that he gave me this advice means that he was satisfied with my, with my uh, profile. Mm -hmm. The second one, uh, it was a bit tough at the beginning because he was really distant. He just asked me questions and then kept silence and just staring at me. But I managed to melt the situation and uh, actually at the end the interview transformed in a sort of conversation. We were really talking about what are the challenges uh, in managing of the big infrastructure project. Uh, so he had this experience. I also had this experience and we really it was a conversation. It was good. Yeah. So the third one, uh, I think from the very beginning it didn't work well. I don't know why, but uh, he, he was, by the way, the, the most senior in the position. He's a managing director of operations practice in French office. Uh, and he was really asking the questions. Uh, basically, he identified the, the weak points in my profile, mm -hmm. like that I'm quite old, mm -hmm. that uh, I'm Russian, so why don't I go for the McKinley Moscow, mm -hmm. uh, that my French is pretty good, but not uh, excellent, so whether it was a problem in my job in France, uh, do I understand that operations practice is uh, long missions, sometimes without coming back for the weekend home, and so on and so on. He was like identifying the the weak points and uh, putting finger on, on each on each one. And then uh, there was a case, and I I did a. Well, it, it wasn't a mistake, actually, but I just didn't answer the question. Uh, when he gave me a small hint, I immediately give, gave him the, the answer he expected, mm -hmm. but he had to give me this hint. So at this moment, I was really feeling myself not really confident at all. Mm -hmm. And then as the final, uh, the final uh, event, he just asked me, how many seconds are there in, in one year? 
Mm -hmm. So I had to make this simple multiplication actually. Mm -hmm. But I was so uh, nervous, I was so uh, I mean, not well that uh, I just I was mixing up my figures and mm -hmm. I finally I gave him the answer and I said that well it's around 30 million seconds uh, actually it's 31 million 500 something like this mm -hmm. so I was unable to make this calculation actually and that was well after that he proposed me to ask questions I asked some questions uh, about uh, the which were interesting for me Mm -hmm. But the interview was over, and the final outcome, how do I evaluate this, is that I had probably some polar uh, opinions. Probably the first two interviewers liked my profile, and the third one really disliked it. And so that probably brought in this, uh, idea to give me one more round and so for the last round I will uh, have only one interview with the guy who is the head of the capital productivity service line in operations practice okay so and actually I don't think that's what that's happened I, I think you're misinterpreting what happened which is quite common let me tell you what I think happened okay okay so what I think happened is this all three people agreed that all three people passed you actually so okay. everyone all three passed you because you cannot you cannot go to the next round unless all three unless all partners pass you that's the rule okay okay so if one partner says no it you are declined there's no second round ah okay I now, uh, so that's the first thing to understand right the next thing to understand is that it is likely the third partner liked you the most, actually, uh -huh. not the first two. And I'll tell you why. It's a common, it's a common mistake. Uh, it's a common pattern we have as humans, as people, to think that the people who were friendly with us liked us. Mm -hmm. Friendliness and like, uh, friendliness and likability are mutually exclusive. Someone can be friendly with you, but could actually dislike you. Okay. So, so the reality here is that if I had to re just based on what you told me, and you know, having done these interviews myself, is that the guy who was testing you a lot is most likely the guy who liked you the most, which is why he was testing you the most. Because the way it goes like this is that let's assume that your your resume went into the final round and all the partners looked at it, right? The partner mm -hmm. who liked you the most is the one who is backing you the most to get the offer. Right, so if he's backing you the most to get the offer, he has to make sure there's no bias in his decision. So he's generally going to be the toughest in terms mm -hmm. of interviewing you. Okay. He's not going to be that easy. And so, so when you basically what you told me, it sounds like the final partner, in my opinion, probably liked you the most, which is why he was checking everything to make sure that if he said, hey, you know what, I like. Uh, Sasha, we need to bring him in. He's not going to say he likes you without having checked first that he can put his name as the senior partner, the managing director for the office, behind your recruiting. 
So, so my okay. fil- my thinking here is that, and just based on everything you told me, that sounds like the way I would run an interview if I really liked someone. I would be really hard on them to make sure I could check everything, to make sure that I was really sure that this person could manage working in my team because I wanted them to join. Now, mm-hmm. I'm not saying that the other people didn't like you. It's, it's, it doesn't have anything to do with that. But what I'm saying is that the guy that you think liked you the most is probably the last guy, if anything. That's okay. why you were so hard on you, right? And all of the questions he asked, all of the things we covered, right? You know, the age factor and so on. So all of the stuff we covered. So at least, you know, we were quite good in predicting what he would ask, right? Sure. Now, now let's think about why you're having a th- another round because another round is very unusual, right? You shouldn't yeah. be having another round. However, another round for the French office is not unusual. So I think that's the first thing you got to understand. The French office, like the Moscow office, does things a little bit differently. And I think maybe in some ways they do things better than some of the other offices. So the French office is not unusual for them to add additional rounds for an interview. Mm-hmm. And the reason they do that is very, is very simple. French society is very different from the French business culture is very different from the rest of the world. I mean, you worked in France, you know that the French have a very different way of running their businesses. Mm-hmm. You need to, 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 to advise a French businessman, you have to usually be French, right? That's true. Yeah. It's very rare. I mean, think about this. How many non-French partners are advising senior French businessmen out of the McKinsey Paris office? I think maybe three people. They're not many non-Frenchmen, right? Yeah, just one detail. The the guy that I will have tomorrow, he is not French. Well, that's okay, he, he right? But that's actually very good. I mean, that's a good sign because what they're trying to do is exactly. they're trying to say, okay, uh, as as a French partner, we we think he's he's good, but but we need to make sure. So so let's get someone who's been through the same journey as Sasha, to interview him to make sure that he can go through that journey, right? Mm-hmm. Now, now, what nationality is the partner interviewing to, interviewing you tomorrow? He's Italian. Okay, very good. Right, Italian is actually pretty close to being French as well. So, I mean, it makes sense. <laughs> so, I, I think what I think what they're doing is very simple. They just want, so so what they're doing is they're saying, okay, Sanjay is good enough to get an offer at McKinsey Paris, right? But two things that we realized in his interview, based on what you told me, I would say there's two things I would have realized. Firstly, he's good enough to get an offer, but can he excel? Can he be an, an, excel, can he be an excellent McKinsey person? That's very important for McKinsey, right? Mm-hmm. They don't want to just hire you because you're good enough to get the job. They want to hire you because you can be excellent. They call it a spike. Yeah. So I think that one of the things that they're looking for is that, is there an area you can excel at? Is it, can you excel at operations? Can you excel at managing and building relationships with senior people? You have to show an ability to excel in one area, right? Okay? Yeah. And the, 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 the second thing that they're looking for is, I would say, is that they are a little bit concerned about whether you could handle pressure. Because based on what you told me, it sounded like you made some small mistakes under pressure. And they would ask the next partner to test if that was a pattern or if it was a once-off thing. Like the calculation you, you did on the number of seconds in a year, right? 
Yeah. It's a fairly straightforward calculation. You wouldn't expect someone with your background, especially uh, you know Russians who tend to be quite good at math, to make a mistake like that. But yeah. the French office is notorious for asking these really weird calculations. You know things that you know that they, I always tell people to when you interview at the Paris office. They ask questions that were last asked in the Boston office ten years ago. So ten years ago, Boston would be ten years to fifteen years ago. Boston would be asking, "Tell me the number of seconds in an uh, in a year." You know, they, they don't ask those questions anymore because they don't think it's appropriate. But the the French, the Paris office, and the Moscow office, I notice, tend to do those things. So I, I think what you want to do for tomorrow is first thing: do not confuse likability with friendliness, okay? Okay. So if the guy is really tough on you, asking a lot of questions, don't think he doesn't like you. Just assume that he needs to check because they, they want to be sure, right? Mm -hmm. The second thing is show you really good at something. And it was obvious that based on what the first partner said, they weren't sure if you had good people skills. communication, the ability to build relationships, right? Yeah. So you want to be able to show that. Now, now the important thing about McKinsey is they don't ask you if you have good people skills. They don't ask you, are you good at teamwork? They don't ask you if you're analytic. They don't ask those things. But they expect you to show it in everything you say, right? Mm -hmm. So very important. This McKinsey partner tomorrow, the Italian guy, is never going to say, Hey, Sasha, talk me through how you build relationships with people. He's not going to ask that. But in the questions he asks you, he's going to see if you show your operations background, if you show your maturity, if you show your ability to build relationships with people. But he's not going to ask for that. So remember that. Don't wait for the question. Show it in any question he, he asks you, right? Yeah. Now, okay. sorry, you want to ask something? No, 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 no. I'm just confirming. Yes. Now they also they also laying a little bit of a trap for you tomorrow, which is a very clever little trap, I think. They are deliberately giving you an Italian partner in the French office. Now, if, if I was going to set up if I was going to set up a case for someone in the final round to make sure that they can communicate and understand French culture, that is the way I would set up a final round. And I'll tell you why I would do it that way. French part. I mean, the it, French partners are. The French tend to speak very quickly, right? I mean, I'm sure you know that, right? because you work in France. They're not slow speakers, right? Mm -hmm. I mean, the French people are not known for speaking slowly. They speak quite quickly, right? Do you understand what I'm saying? Yeah, yeah, yeah. yeah. It's, uh, the only other nation that speaks... Yeah, they, yeah, exactly my point. The only other nation that speaks faster than the French are the Italians, right? Mm -hmm. Now, what, what are they doing for you? I mean, what they're doing is quite a clever thing for you. They're setting up an interview where you've got to go through almost two communication barriers. You've, firstly, you've got to interpret what, the French, what, the Italian, what an Italian is thinking of France, right? Mm -hmm. And then you've got to understand what the French are thinking. So, so they kind of set up a double communication trap for you. You've got to first, in, in their mind, they're thinking, okay, if we, if, we get, if we put an Italian partner working in France, the Italian partner is going to test Sasha's ability to to uh, connect with the Italian partner and Sasha's ability to connect with the Italian partner working in France. So it's a, it's an interesting way they set it up for you and I think it's a very clever way of doing the interview. Quite smart. So mm. what you have to do is that you've got to connect with the Italian guy, right? Mm 
obviously, you have to connect with him. But you also have to connect with him in such a way that shows you understand France. Because you can't just connect with the Italian guy based on his Italian experiences because then you don't show a connection with French, right? With French culture and the French industry. So the way you've got to handle this is that, let's just think, how do you handle this? Because it's quite a clever trap they set for you. The way you've got to handle this is that you've got to focus on advising French businesses, right? Okay? <laughs> but what you've got to do is you've got to draw on your Russian heritage and your age as being a competitive advantage. Very important, right? Mm -hmm. Because think about the Italian partner. When he came from Italy to France, I mean, there are similarities between the countries, but there's major differences, right? When he arrived in, in France, he went through a learning curve, right? He went through a learning curve. He had to understand French culture, understand French businesses. He may have started working in France at a very early age so it was easy for him to do it but he still had to do it because the cultures are very different right now what that Italian partner is looking for is a little bit of maturity on your side that you understand firstly that you understand that learning curve you've been through it so he wants to see that Sasha has been through the learning curve that the Italian partner went through when he was learning how to work with French businesses right so he wants to see that okay Mm -hmm. He needs to see. He needs. He, he needs for you to say. Well, let's assume his name is Luigi. You know, you need to say, Luigi. You know, when I when I first came to to France, one of the things I've realized about French uh, business culture is you need to show the following things, and this is the way I did it. So you need to answer that very directly. And then the next part is very important. He needs to see that not only do you have you understood how to address that. But you've also moved beyond that, and you now operate as if you are, you know, that you you operate as if you've you are someone who's been in France for a long time. Act like a French businessman, but understand that whenever you engage French businessmen, they are going to test you first, and you okay with that test. Do you understand that point? Mm -hmm. Now, a very yeah. good piece of advice I would give you here is to go to the Harvard Business School website, right? Okay. okay. And read read the interview there with Orit Gediesh. Orit Gediesh is the chairwoman of Bain and Company, right? She was the first Israeli to do an MBA at the Harvard Business School, and she was one of the, the first female partners at Bain and Company. So she was always treated differently. People always used to challenge her, okay? Uh -huh. yeah? So it'll be interesting. So I want you to read about how she managed people that didn't necessarily accept her initially and how she diffused that with very simple stories. So all Luigi wants you to all he wants to see is that you that you have matured and you understand how to handle French businesses. And if you're put into a situation where you are challenged by the French businessman that you don't understand French culture, you don't understand French businesses, you have a very non-threatening, a very friendly way of dealing with it. Mm -hmm. If you can show that, if you can acknowledge, if you can show well. I, I, I've been here long enough so I know what they're looking for. Two, I understand some people are going to challenge me and I'm okay with it. And I have a very easy way to handle it. And then you can talk about French business things. You are, you are fine for the interview. Mm -hmm. it, it is a very subtle thing, but it's a very important thing that they're doing for putting in an Italian partner for you. It's actually good because, you know what, they're saying, well, we, 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 we liked Sasha on cases, no problem. 
we, we, but we're not sure. We are not good enough to judge if, if he can make that transition. So let's give it to someone who has actually made that transition. It'll be, mm -hmm. I would advise you to, to look at the, the Italian partner's background and see what he's been through because he's, he's most likely going to, you know, if, if I was doing that interview, I would say, you know, Sasha, in my own experience, I did a project five years ago when I first came to France where I was working for, I don't know, a textile company, and this is what I went through. So it'll be good to, to see his background, to see some of the things he would talk about. Now, he may not do it very directly, like give you his real examples, but he's definitely going to be looking for those things through the cases you do and so on. I wouldn't expect many cases in this interview, but you never know. You may get it, but I wouldn't expect so many cases. Mm -hmm. Yeah, makes sense? Yeah, yeah, exactly. Uh, do you think that I should ask him some direct questions about these uh, potential, well, not problems, but challenges? Oh, well, I wouldn't ask it as a question, but I would address it directly. I would address it directly. Right? At some point, you're going to have a general conversation with him, right? Mm -hmm. now, 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 you have to do this before it comes to the general Q&A. This is a very important point. You must address these things before it comes to the general Q&A because a partners make up their mind within 5 to 10 minutes, right? Mm -hmm. It's not like, you know, you have a chance to save yourself in the last 45 minutes of an interview. In the last, say, 5 minutes of an interview, it's too late because the decision's been made by then. So I think that somewhere in the beginning, you've got to raise it and say, look, you understand that, you understand that if you were sitting, you understand that based on the conversations you had with you know, the previous partners, there must be some concerns around the fact that you are an older candidate, right? Mm -hmm. You may have some difficulty integrating and working with senior French businessmen, and your ability to leverage your operations background into a consulting environment may be a bit of a challenge because you've got operating experience you now have to move to consulting, right? And I would, I would openly raise it and have a discussion about how you have thought this through and how you feel it can be managed. You know, for, so for example, on the age factor, say that you, know, you understand that you know, McKinsey obviously wants people who are going to excel. You, know, you don't just want average people. And you believe that uh, you have the, both the stamina. Stamina is very important. Do you know what stamina is? Yeah. Stamina is the biggest problem when you're trying to make partner because the hours are so bad. So McKinsey is always wondering that, you know, do you have the stamina to work? You're going to have to work longer hours, actually, because you have to catch up on things you don't know, right? So do you have the stamina to work those really long hours to, 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 to be able to catch up on things and manage your teams and work with teams? And, and not, just, not just have the stamina to be average, but to excel, because to be a partner, you have to excel, right? That means you, you have a shorter time frame to make partner than other people, right? Yeah. Yeah. So you have to raise those things and say, look, you understand those things. You know, McKinsey wants people that will excel. You know, when, when, when the partners are interviewing, they're asking, you know, can Sasha make partner in an accelerated time frame because you're an older candidate? And you feel you can do it for the following reasons. And, you know, be honest about it. Then say that you also understand that you're Russian. You've been in France for quite a few years. Your French business back, uh, language is good. But the, the other part is it's not enough whether you can speak French and you admit you still have to learn some French, but you can con converse in French. The other issue is whether French businessmen will accept you and whether you can build relationships with them, right? And you feel <laughs> you can do so for the following reasons. Give some examples for that. So, so you want to raise these things early, I think. Don't wait for the end because... 
it is the issue. That's why they're giving you a third round interview. So there's no point in trying to put it up as a Q&A at the end. I think you want to lead with that. You see, when you lead with your, with your perceived weaknesses, it's a sign of extreme maturity because most people try to hide it. Okay. Let me give okay. an example of this. We had a lady who interviewed in, in Europe recently, actually, I think last week. And she got declined by Bain and BCG. And, and she had a McKinsey interview on a, on a Friday, right? So she told me, Michael, what do I tell McKinsey? McKinsey is, is obviously going to ask about my interviews. So I said, okay, if McKinsey asks you, you be direct. Don't tell them things like it didn't work out because it shows it. it if you, when people say it didn't work out, it's a nice way of saying I didn't get the offer, right? Mm -hmm. And if you say something like that, it means it affected you personally. So to show them that you are mature about this, be blunt. Just tell them I did not get the offer from Bain and BCG. Because if you are blunt about it, it shows that you are mature about it. Right? Okay. So whenever you think there's a weakness, do not do what most people do. Most people run away from it and try to hide it and try to cover it up with fancy words. You don't do that. You confront it head on. And say, well, uh, you know, if I was, you know, interviewing myself, I would assume these are the, I would think these are the, the, the concerns any person would have and, and I would like to talk about them and do it. Because that's what McKinsey wants in their partners, this ability to confront unpleasant reality. And you want to raise it up. Mm. Now, now I, I'm sure the partner's not going to make a big deal about it, but you'll score a lot of points for raising it because ultimately that's why you're in the interview. And, and this thing about excelling, I think the area where you want to show you can excel is the ability to leverage your operations background to be able to talk around operations strategy and productivity and so on. I mean, you want to be able to show that, right? Okay. But don't worry. I mean, the, the fact that you're in the third round is a very good sign. They don't really do that a lot. Um, well, they do it more than other offices, much more than other offices, but even so, uh, it's a good sign. You are okay. obviously going through everything right. Just don't fall for the trap of, of judging the partners um, like like, how much the partner likes you based on how the interaction is going. For all you know, things can be going very bad, but it looks like it's going very well. Mm -hmm. Yeah? Yeah, that's a very fair point. Any other questions? Okay. Anything else that you worried about? Anything about cases, fit questions, uh, things that you worry that will come out that you're not sure how to deal with? Well... I was making the exercises this last day just to, because the, the experience showed that the cases were not, we, did, we never went deeper into the case. It was just the initial structure mm -hmm. to be outlined, and then it was a discussion. Yeah, well, that's so normal for a partner. It, Partners yeah. don't really care about the way you end the case. I mean, you'll see that. Well, you've already seen that, mm -hmm. right? So, so when I, whenever I do cases with people, they always tell me, Michael, what, aren't we going to end the case? But I say it's not important because we don't care if you end the case. We will judge you based on the initial discussion, the structure, and how your thought process went through. And whether yeah. or not you finish the case is not important. So I don't think the guy's going to finish the case with you anyway tomorrow. He, he, look, he may because he may decide to do it because the other partners didn't do it. But the, there's a 90% probability he's going to give you a case. But I think most of the discussion is going to be around you and the kind of career you could have at McKinsey. And, and how that could look. Yeah. But I think that's good, right? Yeah. I mean, to have that kind of discussion means that they, 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 they think your case skills are good, which is you know, it's hard to fail cases in my opinion. You know, cases are quite easy. 
Um, but I think what you want to do is you want to you want to you you want to practice something called you know what self awareness is. Self awareness, yes. Self awareness is when you speak. It's almost that you are watching yourself speak, so that you are observing the way you speak, and because you are watching what you are saying, you can you can change the way you are speaking if you don't think it's good. Do you understand what I'm saying? Yeah, exactly, exactly. So, so what I would do, um, Sasha, is that there are there 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 is there's something called signaling. Do you know what signaling is in in economic theory? Yeah, sure. It's the signal which shows to the other agent something about you. Exactly. Now we 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 are big proponents of signaling theory here, right? So, mm-hmm. whenever you're in a in a meeting with with someone, everything you do is a signal you're giving that agent, the interview, the interviewer, right? So the way you sit is a signal, right? What you say is a signal. The tone of your voice is a signal, right? The mm-hmm. manner in which you speak is a signal. So I think what you want to ask yourself here is that before you go into the interview tomorrow, before you go into the interview, you want to maybe do this with someone or you can even record yourself is record yourself having a conversation with someone discussing these kind of questions, right? Okay? Mm-hmm. A video record and, and then play it back and ask yourself, are you happy with the signal you are giving to the person if they were watching you? Now, my, my, my biggest piece of advice for you, right? Let me give you some pieces of advice here. Is um, When I was young, when I was in high school, I used to stutter a lot. Do you know what stuttering is? Yeah. I was, a, I was really bad when I was in high school. I used to stutter a lot. It was a very big problem where I couldn't even stand up in the middle of a class and speak. So because I used to stutter, I, I developed a, t- a lot of techniques to help me speak much better and I became a very good speaker. So a couple of things you've got to understand about, about signaling is first one is that to show that you are mature and confident, you must always sit back in your chair, right? Always sit back mm-hmm. in your chair. Never sit forward. Right. So if you if you are worried about the image you convey, move your chair close to the table, but sit back in your chair. That's very important. People who sit back in their chair always convey a more mature style of communication. Second one is use your hands. I don't know if you use your hands to speak. Do you use your hands? Normally, yes, I do. Yeah. Right. I use my hands all the time. In fact, even now when I'm speaking to you, and you know, I'm still using my hands to communicate, even though you can't actually see me because I'm calling you on your mobile phone. So so I use my hands to communicate for everything and. The reality is when you use your hands, people tend to assume that you are more in control. They assume you are more structured and disciplined as a thinker, right? Mm-hmm. So you need to do that. The other thing very important to do is do not hesitate to pause, right? When someone mm-hmm. asks you a question, take the time to pause for two to three seconds. Not more than that, obviously, because then it looks like you're stalling and don't know what you're saying. But pause for about one to two to three seconds, right? And just think about what you want to say. Pausing is good. The other thing that you want to practice doing is thinking out aloud. So when people ask me a question, I'd always say, let's assume people ask me, let's assume you ask me a question saying, Michael, what is the best thing I needed to do tomorrow? And I would say, okay, uh, let's think out aloud here. Let's define best as the things you need to do to get an offer, right? So if we look at that definition, then what do you need to do to get an offer, right? So let's look at the things you've already done. 
and the things that are missing that you need to do. So what is McKinsey looking for and what have you already done? Okay, so if you, you already did five of the things that McKinsey is looking for and they're looking for seven things. So I think you need to continue doing the five things and introduce two extra things. Do you, do you see that, that way of, of communicating? Yes. Partners yeah. like that. Because the worst thing a partner wants, the absolute worst thing for a partner is when he asks you a question and you've got to take, and you've got to take time to think about it. Partners don't like that. They like people who can think out aloud because they, they want you to be able to go in front of a client and be able to think out aloud with a client, to work with the client to think things through. So I think that those soft skills are going to be very important for you in this tomorrow's final round interview. Does that make sense? Yeah, yeah, exactly. Anything else, Sasha? Anything else uh, you want to discuss? Yeah, Michael, just uh, the question, can you, can you give me the name of this uh, chairman, woman chairman of Bain? Okay, sure. Her name is Orut. Is it Orut Kariesh? Let me just. It's Orut, right? Orut. Orut. Yeah, it's Orut. It's O R I T. O R I T. Okay. What What I'll do is uh, I'll just mail it. To, I'll mail you the link. Don't worry. Well, don't don't bother yourself with this. I will find it. Okay, so it's O R I T. Um, G A D I E S H. So it's a it's an interview that um, the Harvard Business School did with alumni, and she talks about her career moving through Bain and Company. She, and she had very similar challenges because she was, you know, a, a female Israeli, you know, in a day when you know anti-Semitism was still a big problem, obviously. So she had to deal with all those things. She talks about how she dealt with it. So, so, so her technique was very good because she was not confrontational with people. She didn't, you know, stand up and say, "Oh, you have to listen to me. It's what you're doing is not good." She just dealt with it in a very nice way, which I thought was very clever. Mm -hmm. Yeah. Okay. I'll find it. Anything else, Sasha? Anything else that you think? Well, Michael, that that was really, really good the the things that you told me and uh, I noted a lot of of hints for tomorrow so uh, well now I have one more day to to implement them but I think one thing to remember here is that remember all the things I highlighted to you would be a problem all of the things I told you they were they were you need to focus on are the things the senior partner asked you in the first interview do you notice that yeah, yeah. So, so we were quite good at predicting what the interviewer exactly. is going to raise. So, I think here, I think that I, I think we will mostly predict all of the things they're going to raise here. But I think also, also expect the unexpected in some sense. For all you know, maybe they already like you, but they were they were not you know they just want this other partner to to see you because it's their policy. So, I think that. We are making. I think the one big assumption we're making here, and and I think it's a good. I I think it's a good assumption that there are still some weaknesses which I which I spoke which I talked about already. So I think that's an assumption yeah. we're making, and I think it's a fairly good assumption. And I wouldn't say it's weaknesses. They just want to be sure of these things. I don't necessarily think it's weaknesses, right? But the other option is that we may be wrong, and they may not see any weaknesses. They could be very happy. But I always say let's prepare for the worst possible thing that could happen, and I think we've done that. Mm -hmm. And if it turns out to be a much easier interview tomorrow, then you're fine. Now, one of the things that you remember is that partner interviews are always conversational, right? Yeah. 
they don't actually stand up there and say, well, I'm going to ask you three questions, first question, second question. It's not like a first-round interview where the junior people don't know what they're doing. With a partner interview, it's can you, can you demonstrate those things I asked you to demonstrate, especially when they don't ask about it? Yeah. And if you can do that, you are fine. This is very important, I think. Yeah, so it's all about communicating these things when no one is asking you about it. It's mm -hmm. like it's like they are being very polite. Partners tend to be very polite in a sense. They can't ask you these things directly, so they ask you to in a, they ask you in an indirect way. And, and that's the key thing because their belief is that if you truly have these skills, no matter what they will ask you, you will show it to them. Mm -hmm. Yeah, and, and I think that's the key yeah. thing. So so you want to go in there, and it's about acting as if you are someone who is comfortable sitting and having a conversation with a partner. Because basically what a partner, and in your case, they're, they're actually thinking, can, this guy, can I see this guy as a partner in four to five years? Are the gaps in his profile small enough to fix in such a short timeline? If the answer is yes, good. If the answer is no, then, they, then they're going to you know, say, we don't think that it's going to work out. So it's about it's about you it's almost about being a peer it's about having a peer level relationship with the partner. I think that's what you want to strive for. You want to be able to you want to be so comfortable sitting down with a partner that for him it's that he feels it's normal for him to be having these senior discussions with you. Yeah. So you're striving for parity, a peer level relationship. And that's not easy actually. It's not easy, but um, it's not, obviously it's not easy. It's very hard to do it, but but that's ultimately what you want to achieve. Because if you, unless you can do that, they're going to come back and say, "Well, there's you know they weren't sure there's some gaps." But if you if you can do that with this guy, then you're good. It mm -hmm. makes sense then, because for them then they say, "Okay, here's a guy, uh, Italian, working in France. Uh, we had no problem building relationships. He addressed all of the issues head on." Um, so you know, he's someone who's very comfortable having these discussions. He's, he's also self-aware of the things that he needs to to prove. Um, he's got some experience doing it. He's strong in some areas. I think he's someone who we can take a chance on, and could do well at McKinsey. At the end of the day, to hire you is going to be a judgment call. It's not going to be something that he passed the case. That's where he got the offer. No, final rounds are always judgment calls. It's about whether. It's about whether, let me, let me put, give you a different scenario, right? It's about whether, let's assume you have a client that's going through a crisis, right? Okay? Okay, yes. The partner is going to think, if I put Sasha in front of this client, is Sasha going to be able to make this client feel good about themselves, feel calm. Because clients go through a lot of stress when their businesses are struggling, right? Mm -hmm. And, 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 and let, me, let, me, let me give you an example, yeah, a very important example. I'm sure you've met very nervous kind of people, right? Sure. <laughs> now, now, nervous people cannot make other people feel calm because the nervous person cannot even make themselves feel calm. Yeah. So, so that, that's the kind of thing they're looking for. If they put you in front of a, a project team, engagement team, and in front of a client, can you generate the confidence, the calmness, 
the self the self awareness that that clients need to have and the only way you can do that is if you can do those things because if you can't do it you can't show a client how to do those things as well right and, and, and being a partner it's all about managing your image there's always stressful situations always I mean you know when I was there it was every day was something bad was happening right and you have got to deal with it but you got to deal with it in a way that says okay something bad is happening no problem this is my job let's just sit down and relax and have some fun about it you know when you, when you work with people where when a crisis takes place they're always stressful they're always nervous they're always you know in a crisis mode it's not fun to work with them right I'm sure you've worked with people like that mm -hmm. so as as a partner you have to do the opposite. Everything is going to be crisis mode, but you can't manage it like a crisis mode. You've got to make things fun, enjoyable, and calming. So you've got to enter a, a stressful situation and generate a sense of purpose, order, and just you know, make people feel good about themselves. That's the most important thing as a partner. Even though you're dealing with really stressful situations, you know, you, you get some managers, I'm sure, in your current role who get things done by telling people, hey, you know what, we've got a tough job to do. Unless we do it, we're going to get fired, right? That's what they do. They tell people that all the time, and that's how they get things done. And as a partner, you cannot do that because you're managing by stress. As a partner, you've got to mm -hmm. calmly show people, you know what, look, don't worry, everything's under control. Let's try to make this fun. And if I was doing it, this is what I'll do. So the styles are very different. And what they're looking for is whether you can go towards the latter style. You want to manage okay. and and manage very stressful situations by building confidence as opposed to manage very stressful situations by passing the stress down onto other people. As a partner, you cannot do that because then you create a very, very bad atmosphere in the organization. So there's all those things they are looking for. And the most important way to do this is just be calm, collected, and you know be self-aware so you can see the kind of image you're projecting of yourself. It's hard to do, yes, which is why so few people, you know, experienced hires make the transition, but it's a very important role to take. I think of all, all the experienced hires we've had who made the transition are very calm, collected guys who kind of, you know, just, they are smart, but they don't really generate a lot of stress in the situation. Well, yes, I completely understand what you are talking about. And uh, actually, I know that I have this calmness inside me, and uh, yeah, I mean, just and by I have to this you, way to motivate people not with threat, but with uh, kind of positive motivation. Yeah, so speaking to you, I, I, you uh, definitely come across as quite a calm guy. So I don't, I think it's just nat I think it it plays to your strength. I think naturally you are someone who motivates people in a calm way. So I think that's good. So I think you just want to show that. You want to be able to, you know, you've got to be able to articulate that ability and demonstrate it. So you want to not be thrown off no matter what happens to you. Just be calm through it and show that you're someone who generates this ability to make things happen in a simple way. Okay. Any other questions, Sasha? Well, Michael, I think we have made the all the points uh, that I wanted to discuss. So, thanks a lot. Thanks very no much. No problem. And, uh, I, I'm happy to help. I think that you just want to... Yeah. I, I don't think you have to do anything differently tomorrow. Just focus on the advice I gave you about the focus areas, the things they are looking for. Do yeah. that in a calm way and you'll be fine. There won't be any issues. I don't expect there'll be any issues tomorrow. Okay. Okay, you good? That's a, that's a good final word. 
it is if I thought you'd have any trouble I would have told you you know we we're quite direct in terms of giving feedback but I don't expect there'll be any problems if you do have any questions or want to raise anything you're welcome to just contact me okay okay fine take care Thanks. Sasha let me know how it goes tomorrow okay take care Michael yeah. ciao bye bye, bye, -bye.